Welcome to the Wraparound Love Podcast, where you will hear the very difficult stories behind why people make the choices that they do. As we share these stories, you will be inspired by how the love of God transformed each person's life when individual Christians chose to consistently engage by simply being someone who gave what we call wraparound love. Welcome back to the Wraparound Love Podcast. My name is Janine Wagner, and I am here with my friend and cohort, Barbara Robinson. Barbara, it's been a while since we have done this. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I don't I don't remember if I know how to do this. It's been so long. Yes. Well, we're we're about to see. Okay. So when we left off, so we were telling the story of when Charles was arrested for double murder. And um, Charles is your son, and he was, was he 16 when he he was was arrested? He was 16. Okay. So he was 16, arrested for a gang-related double murder. And you will want to listen to the previous episode to hear our perspective on that and the details on that. We're going to spend today talking about what happened the days following his arrest and then his trial. So Barbara, as we've talked before, I remember very clearly when Charles was arrested, there were a lot of shootings going on in Omaha at that time, gang-related shootings. And then what I remember is that, I don't know if it was a few days later or a few weeks later, there was like what was called, they titled it a mass shooting at a house and your girls were there, Chaynesha and Chaylesha. Chaylesha was not there. She was at home with me. Okay. So Chaynesha was there. What was the story with that? And how is that related to Charles' arrest? First of all, Chaynesha had called me earlier that day and told me she was having a painting party because she they were moving into this house, her and her sister, that they have the same dad. And she wanted to borrow my speakers. And I told her no. And so throughout the day, I would send her texts teasing her that I wouldn't let her use the speakers. I I tease my children a lot. That's how I break the ice when they're angry with me if I don't give them their way. Chaylesha was too young to hang out um, with her sister. So I remember her telling me that they, her and her sister was getting a house on 34th and Patrick and they were going to have a painting party. So that just stayed in my head and, and it was significant at that time. Later that night, I was um, I had just left from the hospital for a shooting. There was a shooting. I was working for Impact One. I had just done my job at there, mediated, did everything. It didn't have anything to do with my family, nothing. It was just a shooting, not just a shooting, but it was a shooting. A young man was shot. I was able to talk with him, talk with his family. And I um, came home. Maybe about 15 minutes after I got home, my oldest daughter, Chanisha, called me. And when she called me, I can remember her saying, just let me tell my mom, just let me tell my mom. And I could hear 
her crying and I could hear the phone hanging up. I mean, then the phone would hang up. Then I try to call her and she called me back and she was like, no, I got to tell my mom. I got to tell my mom. And I'm like, Chanisha, where are you? And she said, I'm at a party. It was a shooting. And I'm like, what? She was like, it was a shooting. Jaquila got shot. Jaquila got shot. And I'm like, what? What's going on? So I immediately called my younger daughter because my younger daughter was kind of strong and it seemed like there was a lot of commotion and I needed strength. I, honestly, I called my younger daughter in my mind. I'm calling her for her strength. And so I called her because I'm thinking this is a family thing. So I call her and we get in the car and I'm saying, Chanisha, tell me where you're at. Tell me where you're at. But while I'm trying to get this out of her, I'm driving toward the 34th and Patrick where she told me she was having a party at earlier that day. Now, I'm not putting nothing together that this is with my son or anything. I'm just driving straight there. So she told me as I got to 42nd and Lake, she told me where she was. Well, I was already in that direction. So I drove there. When I pulled up, I parked my truck and the officers were there and they were putting up yellow tape. And me and my daughter ran through the yellow tape and I saw kids Teen, I saw just kids everywhere. And I saw the officers trying to get the kids back in the house. I didn't know who, what, nothing. But I also was a community worker and I worked in gang intervention and mediation between the youth and the police. So I had immediately switched on half my hat. I switched on my community worker hat, but I still had on where's my daughter hat. So I started telling the kids, come on, y'all, just listen to the police. Go back in the house. Go back in the house. Let's go in here and sit down. Go back in the house. Has anybody seen my daughter? Anybody seen Janisha? My daughter meets me at the door and I'm bringing kids in and I'm having kids sit down. We went in through the kitchen. It had a living room. And then off from the living room, it had two doors, I believe, that went to a bedroom or either one door that went to a bedroom. And I started looking around and I see kids just tucked off everywhere. And some of them are set and they're talking about somebody setting somebody up. And so I'm knowing that this is my daughter's party. And I said, no one set you guys up. Just please sit here, calm down. And so the officers come to the door and they say, nobody can leave this house. So the kids are upset. So I'm saying, I'm telling the kids, don't worry about it. They're going to come in here. They're going to get your names and then they will release you. Just be calm. Just be calm. So then I pull my daughter to the side and I said, where's Jaquila? Did they take her to Amalem's? What's going on? Because when I got there, I remember seeing an ambulance out the corner of my eye. She said, no, they didn't take her. I said, where's she at? They said, she's sitting in the car. I said, she's sitting in the car. Well, somebody got to tell them that she shot. And they said, no, ma, she shot in the head. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my Lord. And I, I wanted to break down, but I couldn't because I was the only adult there and all these kids was upset. And I noticed all of the kids were bloods, all of them, including my daughter, they were bloods. And there was another group of girls and they were kind of standoffish. And, and I'm like, baby, are you okay? Is everything okay? And so they were talking about somebody setting somebody up. And I'm like, who, what going on? I said, I don't think nobody would set y'all up. And they said, my sister is laying out there. And I'm like, Jaquila? And they said, no. And they were standing by the front door. Jaquila was out the living room. Jaquila was on the opposite side of the living room wall out in the driveway in a car. 
these girls were standing by the front door and they pointed out toward the front door. I looked out the front door and there was a body out there up against the gate. And, And they said that was their sister, their cousin. And oh my Lord, I said, Jesus, I was like, Lord, I'm saying to myself, give me stress. So I called my fellow people at Impact One. I started with my boss. A lot of people wasn't answering. So I called the boss and I'm like, look here, I got a mass shooting. I need you guys here now. And I told the officers, I need some Impact One staff in here with me. They wouldn't let nobody in. They, they wouldn't let nobody in. They sent a female officer inside with me and they had a male officer at the kitchen door. So I started looking around and I noticed it was live rounds. It was bullets everywhere, shell casings everywhere. I told the officers that it's shell casings everywhere. What are y'all doing? So then they put all the kids in a small room, in the living room. And they kept us in there for uh, so long that I called the chief of police. And by two o'clock in the morning, I called the chief of police. I was like, hey, these kids are in this room, this small room, and they need to get out. They are angry. They're um, shutting down. They need to go home. They need to get out of here. They want to check on their friends. Your officers are being rude. Help them. And he said, me and my command team is coming. In less than five minutes, an officer showed up at the door. And he just asked the kids their name and he let them go. And, and that was Chief Shimadar? No, that was um, somebody else, probably that Chief Shimadar said to do that. So I took some kids to the hospital and they were saying it was in reference, like maybe the Crips had did this shooting. And I'm like, oh my God, why, why would this happen? What's going on? And then I came back from the hospital and there were some parents who the police were telling them to go to this hospital, go to that hospital and all that stuff. And so I had to be the one to tell the parents, no, your your babies is still there. If I was a parent, I would not want nobody to send me back and forth looking for my child and my child not answering the phone. Whether they're gone or alive, I would want to know where they at. And I just couldn't be the one to tell these people. If Senator Justin Wayne was out there and he was with a mother and Ben what, Gray. What was this about? Like, why? Um, so I'm thinking that it was Crips Against Bloods or something like that. It wasn't until the next day or so at the prayer walk that the Bloods from North Omaha and the Bloods from South Omaha were there. And what I realized was that the it was the people in retaliation. They were trying to kill my daughter and her friends in retaliation of my son being arrested. So they were going after Chainesia. Yep. And her sister. Wow. Did anyone die in that shooting? Yes. Three people died. Wow. Three people died. Several people were shot. They went there to get Chainesia. Mm-hmm. And they just shot up the whole party. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember that, but it's still just so shocking. But I think it's an important backdrop for everyone to understand as we are going to now talk about the trial, because it was just so intense between the gangs at that time. And it eventually led to a mistrial in Charles's case. It was horrible for my family. Chanisha's dad sent her to Puerto Rico. That's how far we wanted her away. He sent her to Puerto Rico. And it was 
it was horrible for us. I was being threatened. Charles was being threatened and he was fighting like a dog in in jail. Officers, someone, as I went there as a parent and immediately jumped into what I feel I was called to do, someone lied and said that I was there telling not someone, an officer. And the boss, the head person of Impact once had spread that I was there telling people to leave and not to talk to the police and that I was causing the kids to be combative. And I literally was not. I am not a person who supports people snitching. To me, there's being accountable and then there's snitching. And I don't support snitching. I support accountability and I support people not being victimized. What's the difference between snitching to and me, accountability? To me, if somebody shoots me and I know who did it, that's accountability. If me and you, Janine, go and rob a bank and we get away with it. But then I go rob a bank by myself and I get caught to save my skin from going to jail. I'll say, well, I know that Janine robbed this bank last week. And then they come arrest you and let me go. That's So I'm good if we commit a crime together and you get caught. That's what I'm hearing. No, if oh come on if me and you commit a crime together yeah. and i get caught yeah you're yeah i'm i can't i can't tell on you no I can't. okay good yeah good. Like, yeah so All right. we'll talk about that robbery later sounds good <laughs> so you are for when you say you're for accountability you are for people having consequences for their yes. choices what you're not for is basically what maybe people Using who are law and order people uh, cutting a deal. Yeah. So if you're already caught, just take the consequences, deal with it and be quiet. That's kind of your thought. Okay. Well, that's going to be interesting as our story of Charles unfolds. So there's, there were actually two trials for Charles. We're going to talk about the first one and then we're going to, we're going to break. The first one ended in a mistrial and this was the headline. So I'm going to read some stuff, but this is the headline. Charles Trotter's first trial in March sparked the biggest Douglas County courthouse riot of this century. And I was on the phone with you right before the biggest Douglas County riot ever or in this century. Yes. So I'm going to say what our, how our phone call was and what your demeanor was. And then you can explain what happened. And this was a couple days into the trial, mm-hmm. but you and I were on the phone. And from my perspective, it was just a normal conversation. I mean, normal for what the situation was. You were not hyped up. You were sad about what was happening with your son, but there was nothing threatening about you. Nothing. You were sad for the families. Just the whole thing was making you sad. And you were just kind of sharing details of the day. Then 15 minutes later, this riot, as they called it, erupted. So what happened? They wouldn't let me in the trial at all. Neither one of Charles' trial. And at the beginning, they said that because I was a community person, I could sway the jury one way or another by my presence, which was horrible because my son had to sit and face all those jurors by himself. Like he didn't have anyone to support him. And court starts at nine o'clock. So at nine o'clock, it probably was maybe three or four individuals, young boys from 
the other side from South Omaha. Then it's a break at 10.30. By 10.30, it probably was 10 of them. No, you know, nobody's worried about nothing. The young man who was killed that day, so the girl, Jaquila, who was killed in that car, she has one son. Her son's dad is Jarrell Haynes. Jarrell Haynes stood outside that courtroom with me all that time. He didn't go in the courtroom because he didn't have his ID. But he was going in there. He knew my son, but one of them victims was his cousin. He wasn't trying to, he wasn't playing a side or anything. He just wanted to hear what happened. That's it. And he actually was working with Impact One. He was literally in conversation with me, me and him. He actually kept me company out there, but he left at the 1030 time. So about 1045, court resumes. 12 o'clock, it breaks for lunch. At 12 o'clock, another one of my sons, my pregnant daughter, Chanisha, my daughter, Chalisha, my son's wife, and some of my son's friends were all there. It was probably about 10 of them, and it was probably about 25 boys from South Omaha. So as they were all coming out the courtroom, my son, I told my son, um, I told the sheriffs, I said, I'm going to have my kids go over and wait on the other side. Me still being a community person, said they're going to go over on the other side of the rotunda and stay out the way so these guys could get out. They said, okay. As my kids were walking over toward the other side, I heard one of the boys who is now in jail for murder and who started the shooting on Patrick Street. He asked them, he said, what y'all going to do? Is y'all ready? And they was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And I said, uh-uh, don't do that. Don't do that. And I said, sheriff, I yelled for the sheriff. Before I could say anything, they were run, They ran over to my kids and said, what that five like? And the fight just erupted. And they fought, 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 fought. And some boy, and I was over there trying to break them up, trying to break them up. And some boy was about to hit my youngest daughter. And I looked at him and I said, don't you hit her. She's a girl. And so he backed up and that kind of backed everybody up. When he backed up, that backed everybody else up and they all start jumping, running down the steps, running on the elevator. By this time, the sheriffs are coming. And when the sheriffs get there, they arrest my children and my children's friends and take them to jail, take his wife to jail, take them to jail. The news cameras on them like they were the instigators and everything. And so they declare a mistrial. So one of the gang unit officers says something to me. And I said, y'all sitting up here looking, looking at us like we crazy. Why weren't y'all up here before? And they said, because of the murder that just happened on 16th and Victor. And I'm like, murder on 16th and Victor? What? Lo and behold, the young man who kept me company went home to his grandmother's house and he was followed by a, a rival enemy of his and he killed him on his outside his grandmother's house. Wow. Him and that girl have a son together and their son is growing up now without his mother or his father being raised by Jaquila's mother. I forgot that. He is gone. And when it first came out that night, the news people said Jarrell was down there to testify against my son and somebody from my family killed him. And they asked an officer and he did not clear it up. 
He did not clear it up. He did not. And he's one of the same officers who was spreading the stuff about saying that I was having kids um, be disregarded of officers. And and he's up in rank now at the Omaha Police Department. And I seen him recently and he said, hi, Barbara. And I said, you know, I don't even know how I feel about you. That's what I love about you. You'll just say that. Yeah, because I asked him, I called him because this is what cleared me up after they went and sp- spread all those rumors that I could possibly be antagonizing the kids and everything. And that I did this at this murder scene. One day, the Holy Spirit told me to drive through that area where that mass shooting happened. And I looked and it was a house right across the street. And I don't know what that person is doing at that house, but on every side of his house and garage, he has a camera. And I called the chief and I said, do you know there's a house over here that has a camera? And he says, yes. I said, so you saw me pull up and you saw what I did? He said, yeah. He said, didn't your boss tell you? I told you next time, just don't run through the yellow tape. I said, no, she didn't. Wow. Nope. Let's pause here and we're going to continue with the next episode because there's so much to digest in what you just said. And then we're going to start to move into Charles conviction, but then also how all of these things and this accusation that now hangs over you, you know, I refer to it as the Robinson family mafia that's running North Omaha. Yeah. How that ultimately leads to you losing your funding for gang intervention, losing your job, not being able to get a job, and the downward spiral that all of this causes for things that are not true. Mm -hmm. So we will start there with our next episode. Barbara, so great to be back with you. And it's nice to see your smiling face right now. But I'm guessing that a lot of our listeners now are kind of like, wow, that's that's a lot. So we're going to pause and we will uh, start back up here on the next episode. Thank you so much for being with us. And remember to share this on social media, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And Barbara, anything you want to say before we go? Thank God for deliverance. Thank God for his protection. Thank God. Today I came into this Zoom real, real heavy. And I know a lot of this stuff sounds heavy. It's in my past. You know, even though it happened a few years ago and we still are going through some of the stuff. But at that time, I was like, oh, Lord, how I'm going to get through this, how I'm going to live through this. And I'm here and I lived through it. And I feel lighter just by talking about it, because I know God made a way through that. So whatever I'm going through, God's going to make a way through it. That's a perfect way to end. All right. Thank you, my friend. I will see you soon. Okay. All right. Thanks, everyone.